Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 142 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me, who was kind enough to set aside some time on Memorial Day. If you're here in the States, you're barbecuing, you're remembering the sacrifices of the brave men and women of the armed forces. If you're abroad, uh, it's a regular day for you. But for us here, it's a kind of a special day. But Kurt and I wanted to take the time to talk to you on it. Kurt, how's it going today? It's going great. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Appreciate you being here as we talk about the power of influence and things are going good. I was in Boston this last week. That was a lot of fun, good people, and a lot of history. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of history. I've taken the tour there before. It's kind of fun. I'm tour geek. <laughs> it is. I mean, you go back east, there's all this history. Then you go west, it's like, yeah, not much. <laughs> <laughs> and then you compare it to Europe, you're like, you know, that church, that wall's older than my country. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all comparative as far as how much history. Some countries have thousands of years of history, some hundreds, and some states don't even have that much. So it's interesting how history impacts just the, the city itself and the culture and everything that's happening. Yeah, it does. It does. Boston's a fun place. Fun place, though. Where are you headed this week? You got a pretty busy month, from what I understand. This week is uh, California. A little bit in L.A., a little bit in San Jose. Teaching people how to negotiate to win. It's always fun to teach that. It is. I've talked a few, <laughs> mentioned it on the podcast a few times recently, about how most people are just a grown-up five-year-old when they negotiate. They're just a five-year-old with bigger words. They are bigger words and bigger wallets and yeah. <laughs> bigger egos. I guess that's where we're going to just draw the line. It does create challenges, especially when the blood leaves the brain. We revert, like we talked about before, to that five-year-old status and say, well, whew, my dad can beat up your dad. Yep. You have that fight or flight that kicks in that was really useful when we were running away from saber-toothed tires. But when you have to use your head and negotiate, blood leaving the brain is not a good thing. It is. You don't think straight. And you think you're thinking straight. There's a challenge, but you're not even close to thinking straight. And then later on, you're thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. In the moment, crazy people do not know that they are crazy. This is true. That's what makes it hard. That's what makes it hard. They don't realize that they're not being rational, that the blood's left the brain, that they're going down the crazy route. And that's the big challenge in negotiation. That's when you just got to decide, time for a break, time for lunch. Yeah. Time to review our notes, time for something just to get that blood back in the brain. Have you ever had a really heated argument with somebody, especially maybe when you were younger, and a couple of days after you're like, man, I should have said such and such. I should have <laughs> done these things because you, you can't think in the moment. Too much blood leaving the brain. That's so important to think about. Even when I teach people how to do public speaking, one of the elements is impromptu. And I said, you can't let yourself think like that because I guarantee you every time you sit down – Doing impromptu presentation, you think, oh, I should have, I could have, that sort of thing. It'll rot your brain. You just got to say, that's what I did, and go with it. That's right. <laughs> that's what makes impromptu fun. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot to cover today. Continue from a little bit what we talked about last week. However, I wanted to bring up before that, as always, go to universityofpersuasion.com. If you like what you've been hearing on the podcast, you need to go there. We've got a lot more stuff of what we talk about, of what we do, what we teach you, daily exercises that you can do to implement more persuasion techniques into your arsenal. 
And some of them are free. Some of them are paid options where you really want to crank it up through the roof for less than the cost of a Honda Civic. If you don't know what that is, you got a lot of podcasts to listen to. Mm-hmm. We're done explaining that one. But definitely check it out. Also follow us on Twitter at Influence Max and like us on Facebook. We post articles and different thoughts. Shoot, we're on Pinterest now and Instagram. I mean, we're getting super legit around here. We're moving up, moving up. And I just want to mention on Influence University is that the whole archives of the podcast are available there that you can take a look at and catch up. Because if you don't know what Honda Civic means, you need to work on your relationship with us because we're very sad. Are you ready for a great segue? Sure. If you don't know what Honda Civic is, you probably don't know what Steve Urkel has to do with the show. There's the segue. <laughs> oh. Yeah, buddy. All Crank right. it. Go Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> you did not see that coming. I didn't. You blindsided me on that yeah, one. You're so disappointed. But what do you have for us? Something about, I guess if you are a sucker like me, sometimes I have a little bit too much empathy. Mm. And I need to dull that empathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're a guy and you have too much empathy, if that exists, <laughs> we have a solution for you today from the Journal of Social and Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience, our favorite that acetaminophen adults your pain and empathy, where you feel less inclined to empathize with the fellow man. And this was done at Ohio State University. And acetaminophen is kind of the main ingredient in Tylenol. And it basically dulls you to the trials and tribulations of others. You just don't care that much. If you're having an argument with your spouse and you just took a Tylenol or acetaminophen, the research suggests that you might be less understanding of what you did to hurt your spouse's feelings. Oh, man. Yeah, so they did this with the college students. They gave them some of the liquid, the acetaminophen, and, and it takes an hour for the drug to take effect. And they read eight short stories with some really sad scenarios. Someone suffering from a knife wound that went to the bone. I mean, they were really graphic. And someone who was dealing with the death of their father. And the students were asked to rate the pain of the person in the scenario. And it made a huge difference. They found that it did dull the empathy. In fact, this is consistent with another study that where they did MRIs with the parts of the brain that were being activated with the feeling of pain, and it actually is numbed. It stands a reason that if acetaminophen dulls the pain, it'll dull other sensations too. And so that pleasure, compassion, other things. So if you're going into negotiation, you need a little empathy. If you're going to have that talk with that significant other... <laughs> To see where the relationship is going or something you did wrong, probably not a good time to take the old Tylenol because it could hurt the relationship. But if you need that RBF of the negotiation and look mean and have no (laughs) sympathy at all, then hey, take on. Yeah, it'll give you some good (laughs) RBF. If you're a manager and you need to go do a hatchet job and fire a bunch of people, take some Excedrin because it'll amp you up with the caffeine and you're going to be dead inside with no empathy. You just (laughs) fire people endlessly. It'll be great. That's right. It's all you need. Yeah. Great things you learn here at the podcast. How to numb your feelings. <laughs> I, I've got to admit, though, Kurt, I was thinking about when you were mentioning that, that, you know, there's probably some things I have to do in my life where I had to pop a little bit of acetaminophen ahead of time where I don't you're, want empathy. You're probably right. Like, if you're the boss and do have to fire people or you're, or you're going into a very emotional negotiation where you know they're going to play the sympathy card and try to get you to cry, crank it up. Crank it up. What's the maximum allowable dose? Well, I was going to say the number, but I think we'd get in trouble probably way too much than that we should suggest here on the show. See your doctor if you have questions about the maximum allowable dose. There you go. We're protecting ourselves. Please record his reaction 
when you tell him why you want to know this, <laughs> uh, we would like right. to post that on the blog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what now. Why do you want to know? <laughs> I've just, I have too much empathy, doctor. I've got to do some yeah. terrible things over the next few days, and I really need to not feel anything inside. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get better than that. I think we just close the show out now. I mean, hey, you've learned something new. Shut it down. <laughs> you, you, Shut it down. You know what to do. Let's move on. <laughs> Best persuasion technique we've ever taught. Well, in case somebody already knew that, maybe we should get on to some other stuff. Just in case. Just in case. Okay. Last week, we talked a lot about color and food and what some of the marketing gimmicks are that people in the restaurant business and the food business do because we wanted to illustrate the point that people who are being persuaded not just need to be persuaded, but they really need to have it spelled out for them completely. Here's what you're going to do, and here's how much of it you're going to do, and for how long. They really need to be told that. Because if there's any confusion as to what needs to be done, right, the confused mind says no. We've said that on the show a bunch. So we wanted to continue on that today because Kurt has more data on colors, smells, mood, association, all those kinds of things, because there could be some stuff that you're doing, whether it's in your office, your presentation, that is a turnoff, or there could be some stuff that you're leaving out that you could use to really crank up your results. So, Kurt, what did we miss from last week? And it might even be a little bit of a benefit to rehash a little bit about what we talked about. I remember the, the soup study and things like that. Well, big picture, we've been talking about association triggers how it matters, colors, smells, music. And we talked about that in the food industry, how colors matter, verbal packaging, the soup study being that they kept pumping soup in and people kept eating and kept eating. They didn't have that psychological trigger to turn it off, and they ate quite a bit more. And it's interesting how all these things come into play, and people don't realize they do, the color of your office, the color of your clothes. And let's focus on the colors because it matters. In fact, the colors trigger different things in our brain. Last week, we talked about the book Mindless Eating by Brian Wansink. And one interesting study they did is they put people in the room and gave them strawberry yogurt. And they were eating it, and they were liking it, and they were asked to rate. In this dark room, they couldn't see anything, so it was pitch black in there. How strawberry-ish, if that's a word, it was. Now, 19 of the 32 people really liked it, and it was tasteful, and the strawberry was really good. But the challenge was it was chocolate yogurt. But with the expectation of being strawberry in the dark room, they couldn't see the color of the yogurt. They just thought it was strawberry. <laughs> and, and it's fascinating when it comes to food. In fact, get a feeling when I talk about some of the major blunders with food and colors, listeners, get a feeling for what that does to you on the inside, how it makes you feel. That's a subconscious trigger. That's a feeling. Color, smell, music, gestures, word choice all trigger these feelings in your prospect, and you really need to understand it. For example, when margarine first came out, it was white. Would you buy white margarine? Uh, it just doesn't, doesn't feel right. Feel they right, turn yeah. it yellow. Right? White mustard, they've tried that. Green ketchup. Heinz came out with green ketchup. And blind taste test people loved it. So <laughs> right? weird. Yeah, both Coke and Pepsi have come out with clear colas. Mm, doesn't feel right. Morton came out with black salt. There's been red tortilla chips. Taco Bell tried black tacos. And here's a really interesting one is milk, the gallon of milk. If you tint the plastic yellow, it'll last three days longer. But they can't because nobody can buy it. And that's the power of colors and understanding colors and what they do. For example, it's interesting. One study shows that color accounts for 60% of the acceptance or rejection of an object or person. 60%. 
That's amazing, because if you really understand colors, you realize that reds and yellows stimulate appetite. Look at McDonald's, fast food restaurants. In fact, yellow's interesting. Yellow's the first color that triggers in the brain. If you put the whole spectrum up, it's yellow. For example, take a look at fire hydrants, and fire trucks are becoming yellow. Pink is a very calming color. This happened in Seattle. At a holding cell, they were holding criminals, a lot of aggression. There were fights in this cell. And they painted the whole thing pink, except for the ceiling. And it created calming feelings. It reduced aggression. Now, it promoted other feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm kidding on that one. But I had to throw that one Are out. Are you, you look, uh, I, don't, I don't know. We won't pursue that one. Well, but no, let me add one more thing to that. University of Iowa football locker room, the visiting locker room, in the stadium is pink. The toilets are pink. The lockers are pink. Everything's pink. Still to this day. Still to this day because it has that calming feeling. It upsets everybody. People get angry. But they're like, hey, uh, competitive advantage. We're going to take advantage of that. It matters. You look at laundry detergent. Hey, try this out. It's a yellow box. It's too harsh. Blue box, too weak. Blue and yellow, just right. The color flex. It matters on how you look at things. The color of the coffee container, the color of your logo. People don't realize that it makes a big difference. Even in pharmaceuticals, black pills are rated stronger than white pills. And people don't think it through. The colors they're wearing, the color of their office, the color of their website. All these things come together. In fact, I think we've mentioned before on the show, let's see if you remember, is what is the most credible color? If I had to wear something to an interview, what do you think is the most credible color? I think I know the answer. I think I'm going to say blue. It is. Blues, blacks, darker, contrasting colors. Even for guys, red, white, and blue still pulls the best. A red suit, a blue shirt, and a white tie. And horns. <laughs> and horns, right? Red suit. Yeah, I love it. Great. <laughs> little horns on your head. <laughs> All right. Well, we're kidding on that one. It's still blue suit. Get it right. White shirt, red tie. They Photoshop ties. Try different things, and red still pulls the best as far as being persuasive. Mm. It's just how it is. Colors matter. And it varies a little bit by culture. Really understand colors and those association triggers and what they do. It makes a huge difference in your ability to persuade. Because you think it doesn't matter. It does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting stuff. So if you were just the, the average persuader looking to leverage color on your behalf, what are two or three things that you would do today to make that happen? Well, first of all, I mentioned culture. It's interesting in some cultures, especially Asian cultures, there's certain lucky colors every day. And there's certain colors you can and cannot use. So it does vary by culture. And you have to realize that every color triggers different things. And that could vary by profession. Red to an accountant is different than red to a doctor. And those are some things that people don't think about. So just being aware and you know, red could mean anger, danger, excitement, versus yellow could mean brightness, intelligence. Green tends to be prosperity, endurance. Orange is more unpleasant. Sometimes it means warmth. Purple tends to be a royal color, passion, authority. White's more pure. Black can come across as wicked, death, or evil. Again, depending on culture. Gray is neutral, nothingness. And I want you to think, as you bring this together and apply this, be careful of how you use it in PowerPoint. I'm not a big fan of PowerPoint. I have to use PowerPoint. But be careful with the colors. And there's been a trend in PowerPoints, I don't know if you've noticed or not, to getting away from the color background, just basic white, a few bullets, maybe a graphic. Not a lot of movement to make people dizzy. 
but be very careful with PowerPoint and colors. Make sure they complement each other if you are using colors. But the trend here, I want to point out, basic white background, not a lot of information on there because a big complaint with PowerPoint is that you're reading it to them. There's too much information. And here's another one, kind of on a side note with PowerPoint, is everyone dims the light so there's shadows on your face, which destroys your trust. I would rather have the PowerPoint hard to read and light on your face than the opposite. That's a good point. That's a good point. People using it as a crutch way too often now. Mm-hmm. And it is nice as a presenter. I'm a presenter. You're a presenter. It's like, oh, that's like a security blanket. All our notes are right there. I can remember everything. But then the PowerPoint becomes a presentation. You lose trust. They're not watching you. And one thing you can do, too, if there's a point where you want to grab their attention, it's that point, that call to action, put a black slide in to where it blanks the projector or hit the blank key, the B key on the keyboard, and it'll go black. And watch all the eyes will come to you right at that moment. Then you become the presentation, at least to do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so those are a few things we can use today. Anything else that you want to go over on color before we hang it up? Well, just want to paint big pictures. We talk about association triggers. We've mentioned smells and music and colors and objects and logos and symbols. All these things matter. They trigger feelings, which trigger moods. And I just want to reiterate how important this is that mood matters. Your mood as a persuader, you just had a fight on the phone, you put on that fake smile, they can sense it. They're not going, oh, yeah, fought with somebody, fought with their spouse. It just doesn't feel right, a subconscious trigger. And then the mood of the person you're trying to persuade is so important. If someone's in an honorary bad mood, run. Reschedule the appointment if you can. If you can't, you have to change their mood. Here's the studies on mood, okay? When people are in a bad mood, they're going to call bad things, why it won't work, why they don't like you. You have bad history between the two of you. If they're in a good mood, they recall good things, why it's going to work out, why they like you. Completely different setting. Happy, optimistic, and people in a good mood are so much easier to persuade. So you've got to either reschedule or get them in a better mood through humor, boosting their self-esteem, taking a break, going to eat, something sugary, anything you can do to get them back on track. Never, ever try to persuade someone in a foul mood because it will backfire on you every time. Yep, yep. You learn that when you're a kid. Don't talk to mom (laughs) or dad and ask them for stuff when they're in a bad mood. It's built into our psyche. In fact, they did a study with students where the phone would ring. They're all taking a test. Hey, get so-and-so. It's bad news. And they'd go, phone call. Then another study would say, hey, get so-and-so. It's good news. And they'd tap on the shoulder. Hey, your phone's for you. It's good news. Right? It's just built into our mm-hmm. psyche. We separate ourselves from the bad news. We want to stay close to the good news. That's why we always say, hey, we won, we won, versus they lost. They lost. It's for the exact yeah. same reason. <laughs> you do learn that from a young age. My daughter, I think she must take a lot of acetaminophen. <laughs> she, she doesn't have very good timing or empathy. And uh, this was yesterday, and my wife was uh, not happy about something one of the other kids had done. And my daughter decides to go ask her for X, Y, and Z. And I say, no, 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 just don't. But I get, don't. Trust me on this one. Hopefully one day <laughs> she'll pick it up. But, yeah, it's a it's a good lesson to learn. It is, and we just have to follow that instinct sometimes and remember to get past that you want to get in, get it done, cross it off your list, vomit what you need to happen, and thinking that's good time management, but it's a bad time management because they're going to say no, and then, of course, you didn't get what you wanted, and you got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, timing is the best time management. Mm. 
Hey, I like that. That's very important. Good. Write that one down. Timing is the best time management. There you go. Because yep. that'll make a huge difference in your ability to influence. All right. Cue up the Homer. Our friend Homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. All right. You've got this one. This one sounds pretty good. I do. So I was in Boston. We were talking about influence and negotiation, working on some skills. And part of that, of course, is doing some exercises, which is always interesting how people react a little nicer sometimes to exercise. But after a while, you start to see their default setting and some of the blunders and mistakes they make and some of the things they've learned about negotiation, because negotiations changed quite a bit in the last 10 years. What used to work doesn't work anymore. And I mentioned the vomit before, and it kind of goes down that category. So these guys were, they were going back and forth. They were negotiating. They were starting to get close to agreement. They were starting to click. Things were starting to happen. And then the one person that said, now, wait a minute. Is this something we can implement by next month? (laughs) And here was the response. Well, hold on. I have a few more points to cover, then we can talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, listeners, the blunder being, shut up, you're done. Who cares if you have two, three, ten, twenty more points? When they say something like, can I take delivery next week? Tell me about your warranty. (laughs) Is this something that we can implement next month? Those are what they're called buying questions. They're done. They're sold. They say, do you need it next month? Do you need it in green? Do you need it by this date? When they say that... You're done. Move on. Do not vomit the rest. I don't care if you have another 30 minutes in your presentation. If your goal is to negotiate or win the negotiation or persuade them, when they say something like that, you're done. You've achieved your goal. I don't care if you have another 30 minutes or three more points or need to vomit some more. You are done. Learn to listen to what they're saying. Look at their facial expression or the tone of the voice if they're over the phone. Know when it's time to shut up because the studies show that you're talking three times too much. This is another good time management technique. Quit talking. Learn to read. When they say something like that, shut up. That's right. They've made up their mind as long as you can answer that question correctly. So all of these questions that they still have in your mind are going to go your way because when they've made up their mind, it's so much easier for them to be convinced on the other things. You don't have to answer that stuff. I've got a guy that I do some sales with. He's a partner of mine. And we will do conference calls with prospects all the time. And I can tell, hey, this thing is wrapped up. Put a bow on it. Dunzo. And he just keeps going. (laughs) Awful. And it sucks the life out of it. And that's human mindset. You have to understand. Before they're doing business with you, they're looking for every reason why they shouldn't. But once they've decided, hey, I can do this. Now they're looking for every reason why they should and fill in the blanks later, make it a done deal. Know when it's time to shut up, it'll make a big difference. And when they ask that question, is this something we can implement by next month? Do you say, do you need it by next month? And they say, yes, done, done, and done. We just need to get the paperwork started. I'll go pick exactly. it up right now. You know, it's... All right, let's get started. Yep. It's that simple sometimes, but you're in vomit mode and you miss your opportunity. And if you keep vomiting, nobody likes that. And you've just given them more objections. You've sucked the life out of the room. You've hurt their emotions and you lose the sale. It truly is an art giving the prospect enough to cement the sale, but not so much that you just water it down. And Agreed. Yeah, really good persuaders have a good feel for that. So. Great blunder, Kurt. Thanks for sharing that with us. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Everybody's got barbecues to get to and family to visit that they do on Memorial Day. So we're going to let you get to it. We appreciate you listening to Maximize Your Influence, and we'll catch you next week on another episode.
persuade with power and catch you next week.